0: Hey ya girlies, it's me, Devlin Camp. This is a special queer serial announcement coming to you from the future, 2023. You're listening to an episode from the past, during which you might hear me plug some bonus content, especially in the credits. But as of 2023, here's everything you need to know if you want more queer serial or if you want to support my many ongoing LGBTQ history projects. I got a lot going on. You can sign up for periodic email updates at the link for everything in the episode notes. First off, you can now listen to my entire backlog of Queer Serial bonus episodes on Apple Podcasts, just like you listen to the regular episodes. Just head to the Queer Serial Show page on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to additional bonus episodes for 2 dollars a month. Those episodes are everything from my Patreon, minus the visual stuff, but all of the bonus episodes. It includes all of the spin-off episodes, Forgotten Fairy Tales, the White Knight Riots interviews, all of my Mattachine meeting interviews, Randy Wicker Radio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every episode of everything I've ever made. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for 2 dollars a month or still for $3 a month on Patreon if you want the bonus episodes and all of my visual research and my archive dives included and behind the scenes of my Randy Wicker documentary. Also, If you're a Spotify kind of girl, like me, you can also get all of my bonus episodes through Spotify now, too. Just go to the podcast section and search Queer Serial Bonus Shows and there's a whole feed of Queer Serial Bonus Shows. And if you wanna get some gay merch while also supporting my queer history projects, check out the new Queer Serial Etsy shop. Etsy.com slash shop slash Queer History Uplift. There's a link in the episode notes here. I've got podcast merch from throughout the series and also lots of queer history related items like postcards from Mona's 1930s lesbian bar and Marsha P. Johnson stickers with her own handwriting that says gay love always straight from the Wicker and Johnson archive that I've been working on. And I've got gorgeous mugs that say queer history is world history, other stickers that say drag is not a crime with a real photo of drag queens being arrested. And I've got these warning stickers that you can put in textbooks that are lacking queer history to warn future readers. Lots of other buttons and other stuff on Etsy, too. There are links to everything in the episode notes here and at QueerSerial.com. Or just search for me on Instagram, Etsy, Patreon, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I think that's everything. While you're on queerserial.com, by the way, check out the new episode guide. You can explore the entire podcast series, episode by episode, with all the research and transcripts and bonus episodes and lots of photos and videos from the true history that I cover, all at QueerCereal.com. Finally, last thing, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, go ahead and catch up on all four seasons of Queer Serial and the bonus episodes before season five comes out this October, Queer History Month. The new season is a standalone story in our history and a spinoff of an event that I briefly touched on in Season 3, Episode 7, if you want a hint. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for all of your support. I literally couldn't do it without you. Enjoy the show. Who is Jeff Winters? The director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, is trying to answer that question. Jeff Winters, the byline on the featured story in One Magazine. It's not a name the Bureau has on file, but this person claims to have been entrapped by the police for being a homosexual, then wrote about it in a magazine recently launched for homosexuals, then that magazine was distributed to them in meetings run by homosexuals by an organization called Mattachine. The FBI discovers employees of one magazine, Don Slater and Tony Reyes. They have previous arrests on lewd vagrancy charges like many homosexuals. Don was even forced to register as a sex offender. But the FBI still cannot find this writer, Jeff Winters. Perhaps he, Dale Jennings, will get away with writing it. He's successfully co-founded the Mattachine, and maybe now, with the power of the press and a pseudonym, he can spread word of our movement to the country. It's August, 1952. A moral panic is spreading throughout the country. Hundreds of so-called sex deviants are dismissed from work in the federal government as the FBI continues to systematically collect information on homosexuals. The general public, fearful of communist infiltration through the homosexual community, supports military charges, bar raids, sexual psychopath laws, and purges in government jobs. As we explored last week, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover's discovery of communists, leading a new organization of homosexuals, happens to be the perfect overlap in a Venn diagram to prove the danger of homosexuals to the public. Upon a report from an informant, Hoover sends two agents to question two possibly homosexual former communists. The agents arrive on Mattachine co-founders Chuck Rowland and Bob Hall's doorstep in Norwalk, California, on August 20th, 1952. Chuck and Bob were expelled from the Communist Party, likely for being gay, though the records aren't clear, Hoover has these expulsions on record, so he sends the agents to Chuck and Bob to find out if they are, in fact, homosexual communists, but with the pretext that the FBI is simply seeking information on the Communist Party. They knock on the door, and Chuck answers. The agents ask if they may speak with him.
1: I'm too busy to talk with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh, it won't take long. I have to mow my lawn. I have nothing to say to the FBI.
0: And then, to really sell it, Chuck goes to his garage and pulls out his lawnmower and starts mowing his lawn. The agents leave. They return eight days later to speak with Bob. It is not required for me to talk to the FBI, is it? No.
2: Well, let's leave it at that, then. I don't care to talk with you.
0: The FBI hits a dead end here. But Chuck and Bob will remain on the FBI's security index. This visit is the FBI firing a warning shot. Chuck and Bob know that, before the Bureau can connect them to the Mattachine, something in their secret organization will have to change for their own protection. President Eisenhower takes office in 1953, and within weeks he signs Executive Order 10450, making homosexuality enough grounds for immediate dismissal from federal employment. It is exactly what Harry Hay feared. Corporations under a government contract vet their employees to be sure they aren't gay. It's what Harry Hay predicted. It's why he created the Mattachine. Keep in mind, it's not homosexuality that puts a target on these federal employees. Homosexual isn't a widely used word yet. These employees are targeted for sexual deviance. These people, with no word for what they are except deviant, begin to push their own term homophile to show society that they are people like anyone else. They're not just sex acts, criminal acts. So we have homophile or sex deviant. And of course, the term that villainizes a group of people and is pushed by the government is the term that sticks. History can be so repetitive. In the mid 50s, over 12.6 million workers deal with loyalty security investigations. Under Eisenhower's executive order, 3,000 people per year are dismissed from the military up to and throughout the 60s. Back at the FBI, agents are collecting and sending information on sexual deviance to military branches, especially if members of the military have been seen at a Madison meeting. This is the FBI Sex Deviants Program, and though it wasn't originally designed this way, it has become a tool to weed homophiles out. Welcome to Mattachine. In the Mattachine, we are seeking acceptance of the homosexual in society. We
1: introduced at this time the name homophile. And I've been in the papers as a Marxist teacher, one of the people who really ought to be called in to be examined. In the trial, I'm more convinced than ever that a radical approach is the only one we can make. No, Chuck, this move isn't radical, it's betrayal. What they did know about was that there was some kind of a foundation which had a board of directors who was uh, magnanimously sponsoring these, these public discussion groups. Who
0: are the people who make policy for the Mattachine Foundation, Incorporated? And I'm
1: not about to buy the thing that gays think the same as heteros because they don't. Our homosexuals themselves satisfied
2: with the way they are.
0: Mattachine is a podcast dedicated to exploring the overlooked, forgotten, or often untold stories in gay history. I'm Devlin Camp. Jerry Brissett is at an orgy in Berkeley. He likes to read at orgies. We haven't met Jerry yet, but he's been nearby. He's sitting in the corner with a book, catching glances of Allen Ginsberg walking around naked with other guys, until someone passes by and slips him a letter. He immediately opens it. A group is meeting up in Los Angeles, it says, a group he's expressed interest in. He puts down his book and goes home to write a letter to the group's leader, David Freeman. Over 10 pages, Jerry explains to David Freeman his interest in the organization and that he's 27, a chemistry lab technician at UC Berkeley and a children's theater director. When the letter arrives, David Freeman, a.k.a. Chuck Rowland, invites Jerry down to L.A. to meet the Mattachine.
2: The sooner the better. I cannot live beyond my times,
0: Jerry writes to Chuck on March 1, 1953.
2: If I live an ambiguous life, it is because millions are living it with me. If I am confused, there is consolation in that I am not alone. I dream of freedom in a land of repression, guilt, and blue-nosed puritanism, fully realizing how impossible my dreams are when so few share them with me. To try to achieve that love by retreating behind a wall of secrecy and self-protection would be death before love ever began, for I could never build the walls high enough. So from my failure to fulfill my dream, I gained my inspiration to change my environment, If I rebel against this ungodly pattern of tricking, when men are not human but machines, and camping, where life is but a joke, a game, a pit of despair, then it's my responsibility to work for the kind of world I believe in, to help create in the hearts of people like me a belief in themselves, a dignity, and a capacity for loving as free men love. Only then can I ever hope to hold in my arms the happiness I pray for now. If Mattachine means this, then I'm with you all the way.
0: The next Saturday morning, Jerry hops on a train to LA. He feels this is one of the biggest moments of his life. He's terrified. It's difficult for anyone to make contact with the Mattachine Foundation, and he sits at Union Station in Los Angeles, amazed that it happened. He's waiting for them to arrive. Suddenly the doors of the waiting area fly open and a group of men walk through. He knows they are the Mattachine.
2: They were men of such character, pride, dignity, and forcefulness,
0: he'll later say. Jerry sits in on several discussion groups. They sleep two hours a day. The leaders have day jobs, then go to work for the Mattachine as soon as they're off. Conrad Stevens from the Fifth Order will later recall, We were meeting very often. We just lived Mattachine. We didn't do anything else. We never went anywhere just for pleasure. When we went, it was organizing. On Mondays, the group is the Citizens Committee to Outlaw Entrapment, meeting with attorneys and printing leaflets. On Tuesdays, each of the seven leaders organize their own separate discussion groups. On Wednesdays, they advise new membership guilds. Thursdays, they make calls and visit people for financial support of the Foundation. On the weekends, they gather as a council to coordinate the plans of the past week and the coming weeks, the future campaigns ahead, and literature to print and spread word of the Mattachine.
2: I had quite forgotten all about Berkeley during my one week with you folks,
0: Jerry writes,
2: and had lived so intensely in the present that for once in my life, the past and the future meant nothing.
0: He's sent home with a mailing list of people in the Bay Area who had expressed interest in the organization. Jerry Brissett starts three discussion groups within a week. He writes to Chuck and the foundation that homophiles continue
2: flock to us in hordes, hungry, anxious, eager to do something, say something, get started.
0: Jerry can't stop talking about the Mattachine. He's got every homophile he knows interested. He had just started a group in Oakland and his next group will be on Berkeley's campus. When the time comes, he invites men into a student's room and pulls the shades. Some of the guests stand quietly in terror he invites them to have a seat and they all sit down on the floor jerry talks about why he called all of his homophile friends together a discussion starts about police pressure and sexual deviance turns out everyone in this room is on the same page jerry announces the mattachine and its purpose telling them what the mattachine has already done for dale jennings and what henry gerber had tried to do decades before in chicago He speaks for an hour and a half on their history, and their potential future, as the guests watch him with bewildered faces. Some of them are thrilled, others are still terrified. A young man named Hal Call sits astonished in that meeting. Jerry has him convinced. Hal is quick to take part, befriending other new Bay Area Mattachinos such as David Finn. David is also inducted by Jerry. Hal and David begin telling every homophile they know as well. Friends, hookups, men they meet in bars, they invite everyone to their upcoming meeting across the bay in San Francisco in two weeks. People dress well for the discussions. They arrive at an apartment door and knock lightly. Someone answers with a subtle greeting and invites the guests into the living room. Homophiles are packed inside, sitting on furniture and the floors gathered halfway up the stairs and down the hallway. Usually, no one knows who lives there or who is in charge. Those meetings hit the usual topics, including seeking the support of medical doctors to explain their sexuality. Back in LA, Harry Hay criticizes the idea, still frustrated that everyone is caught up with the sex of it all. Harry is annoyed that so many of them want doctors to approve of the sex they desire, that they want validation that they aren't mentally ill. Harry is focused on the emotional-cultural relationship before and after the sex expression. But even the notes from the first meeting in San Francisco recorded someone saying, everyone agrees meetings are wonderful places for cruising, better than bars. That's not what Harry made this organization for. His persistence in recognizing a homosexual culture outside of just sex begins to rub up against members new and old, including Dale Jennings and Martin Block. Even though the new leader in the Bay Area, Jerry Brissett, the guy who reads books at orgies, agrees with Harry. Through all of their fighting, while trying to understand what this newly uncovered minority stands for, the FBI launches an internal security investigation of the Mattachine. That investigation is codenamed Common Phil and is opened in order to find the communists in the Mattachine organization. Hoover orders the West Coast field offices to investigate and report back to headquarters. Investigators find that one magazine is being run by Martin Block, Tony Reyes, and Dale Jennings. But where is Jeff Winters, they still wonder. They also get a hold of one's articles of incorporation signed by the Mattachine's lawyer, Fred Snyder, another clue that leads the FBI to believe that the Mattachine and one magazine are one and the same. The special agent in charge in San Francisco focuses in on the Mattachine's leader there, likely the new guy, Jerry Brissett, but the agent's documents are heavily redacted, so we can't know for sure. An informant in the Mattachine meetings reports to the FBI that nothing subversive is going on here because they're too busy discussing their problems living in society as sexual deviants. But the discussions must be leading to some progress for them, because the first order groups in the Bay Area are already looking at a larger theater spaces to gather for parties, movies, and drag shows, which make money to support the mysterious leaders of the Mattachine Foundation. Jerry plans a little picnic in the park and hangs up posters in the bars. He optimistically expects 50 people at this picnic, but 500 show up. He runs around the park trying to get rid of everyone, worrying the park rangers will catch people in the bushes. Meanwhile, Hal Call and David Finn, the young San Franciscan men from Jerry's meeting, are taking on leadership roles in the Bay Area, under Jerry's charge. Hal and David begin to understand that there are Mattachine leaders above Jerry, headquartered in Los Angeles, and that's where the money goes. Hal does some digging trying to figure out exactly how this organization works. He and David and the rest of San Francisco are called the First Order, and those leaders in L.A. are considered the Fifth Order. Who's in between? He looks into other homophile groups in L.A., finding a publication called One Magazine, and that it's loosely connected to the Mattachine. He investigates further. In April, Hal flies down to L.A. and goes straight to the front desk at One Magazine. A man on one staff named Door Leg greets Hal. Dorr is eccentric and charming, quite smart. Dorr is fascinated by the secret group as well and points out that to gather together and work on such specific goals means someone must be in charge behind the curtain. Word is getting around that the fifth order leaders are former communists. Dorr will later discover the original founders of the Mattachine were Marxists and they had the insane concept that they were going to marry Marxism and homosexuality. Hal Collis heard the rumor that some of them were still communists. He continues to dig until he hears another rumor this one that the head of the Fifth Order, the head of the entire Mattachine Foundation, is a communist named Harry Hay. The infighting doesn't stop. While Hal Call returns to San Francisco with what he's learned, Dale Jennings writes in one magazine under his pen name, Jeff Winters, criticizing the views of Harry Hay and his Mattachine. Dale is completely against establishing a legal minority for homosexuals, It's cultural isolation, he believes. Segregation of gays and straights. It does not make us equals. Harry responds to Dale's essay using his pseudonym, Ian MacDonald. Over an enormous
1: period of history, the homophile was an accepted force in society as he is a rejected force today. And the homophile's acceptance was based solely upon the character and quality of a cultural contribution which could not be
0: produced by any other category. Perry means that gays used to be recognized for their abilities to see many sides of gender and sexuality spectrums. Jennings sarcastically replies that Hayes' letter implies a vast background bristling with endless data. I sincerely suggest he write a study of the homosexual's historical position in society. It would be a great relief to me to find that I am actually not an ordinary person after all. The next month, Chuck Rowland writes a letter to One magazine under his pseudonym, David L. Freeman. It's published in One, despite also attacking Dale's position against a minority culture.
1: What exactly do we mean when we talk about homosexual culture? simply this, the manner of speaking and thinking, the beliefs, traditions, and the attainments of the homosexual minority. Our moral code obviously cannot be the same as the heterosexual one, since it's not based on the necessity of reproduction and the
0: family. Mattachine membership is booming. The reins are loosened on requirements to join and become members because the floodgates can't be closed. People just keep showing up. More members are asked to take on leadership roles, but they're all starting to see that they're managing an organization built on mystery and anonymous leadership and anonymous action. Members are no longer seeing secretive cell structure as a protective device, but rather as a tool used to manipulate them. Harry Hay is named as a Marxist teacher in a newspaper. His fellow foundation leaders become even more concerned. Paul Coates' Daily Mirror column continues circulating. That's the article that tipped off the FBI, which was published after the Dale Jennings trial. Everyone is concerned about the communism insinuation. The foundation releases a statement to Mattachine leaders below them. The foundation has never been, is not now, and must never be identified with any ism, political, religious, or otherwise. But the rumors won't slow down. On March 11th, 1953, Chuck writes to Harry.
1: I'm more convinced than ever that a radical approach is the only one we can make in the present situation. Whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not, the subject for today is reorganization. Now, if the need were expressed solely by malcontents, I'd agree with you. But I'm seriously concerned. My view is just this. Three years ago, when you and Bob and Dale and I began our initial discussions on the possibility of setting up Androgynous Anonymous, we were pioneers in a hostile society. And we had to take elaborate precautions to ensure the safety and that of others we were trying to influence. Our pioneering has created a whole new situation, and it is this new situation that we must act and act intelligently, or we will lose our leadership, paltry objection! all our aims and purposes. The truth is this. After three years. We haven't started an esoteric group. We've set a movement in motion.
0: Some of the Foundation members are barely on speaking terms, especially since one of them is openly criticizing another in a magazine. Chuck, Bob, Conrad, and Martin also want to end the secrecy. They thought it was useful when people were scared to join a homophile organization, but now that isn't an issue. Harry doesn't think new people are willing to fight for a movement because they're just selfishly joining for protection in case they're arrested like Dale was. Harry doesn't think these people care about a homosexual minority or its culture, and they just want to assimilate into respectable society. He writes back, No, Chuck, this move isn't radical, it's betrayal. You can't build a democratic society on a bunch of diversified individuals going nowhere. But Chuck insists that it's time to call a convention of the Mattachine Orders. Martin Block will later look back on this, realizing in every gay movement, there has always been a schism. What's wrong with so many activists? They have no sense of humor and no sense of pleasure. Under the pressure of the Paul Coates article, Mattachine membership is more concerned than ever. To be labeled a sexual deviant is one serious problem, to be labeled an organization of sexual deviants, criminals working together and under the control of communists, is a huge accusation that risks charges of conspiracy.
1: But it's an odd thing.
0: Paul Coates's article says,
1: I checked the state division of corporations and the county clerk's offices. There is no record of a Mattachine corporation. If I belonged to that club, I'd worry.
0: Rumors run rampant. The foundation prints a response in one magazine explaining that a corporate charter was filed about eight months ago and it will take about a year to have a corporate seal. Paul Coates looked into who ran this organization as well. Who is the foundation, the journalist wonders. The legal owners are listed as D.T. Campbell and Romaine Cox.
2: Where is
0: Romaine? Coates' headline shouts. Coates doesn't discover that Campbell and Cox are Fifth Order member Conrad Stevens's mother and sister, though they're merely figureheads. Everyone's eager to find out who is running this thing. On the charter the foundation filed to become a corporation, the FBI finds the Mattachine headquarters listed under the address of Mrs. Henry Hay, Harry's mother. But again, just a figurehead who attended foundation meetings. And somehow, perhaps because of the name discrepancy, Harry and Henry, the FBI doesn't put together that Mrs. Henry Hay is the mother of a known communist they have on file, Harry Hay. But anyway, with the risk of legal problems, arrest, blackmail, and family turmoil, and the gamble of communist charges on top of all that, it's too much for members to stand for. Hal Call doesn't want to be taken down as a subversive sympathizer. He joined this organization to liberate his fellow homophiles, not communists, and he will not let go of this exhilarating experience of finding people like him. But the headlines are drawing the attention of the House on american Activities Committee, because sexual deviance and communists have become tied together, the homophile movement will have to stamp out the communist influence among them in order to survive. Chuck Roland calls for a discussion group specifically on the Paul Coates article. A member named Marilyn Rieger, who goes by the nickname Boopsy, writes to the foundation. I feel that in order to continue working for a cause, I must have complete faith in the people behind the scenes. The people who set policies, principles, aims, and purposes. Who are the people who make policy for the Mattachine Foundation Incorporated? Who's the board of directors? Who are Mrs. Henry Hay, Mrs. D.T. Campbell, and Romaine Cox? Why is there no record of a Mattachine Foundation Incorporated with the division of corporations or the county clerk's office? What are Fred Snyder's political affiliations? What are the political affiliations of the board of directors? And finally, are the aims and purposes of the foundation which I have read and which I believe in the true aims and purposes? If no one responds, she warns them she intends to write to the State Bar Association to pursue the revelations made by Paul Coates. Three weeks later, Boopsie Rieger opens her mailbox to find a letter from Mrs. Henry Hay. She explains her relationship to Harry Hay and the other women, but claims not to know anything about Fred Snyder's political affiliations, the Mattachine lawyer Coates called out in the newspaper. This generic response, probably written by Harry, answers almost none of Rieger's questions, and she won't forget this when she rises to some power. But Harry finally accepts that the anonymity and the future of the Mattachine will need to be openly discussed. March 29, 1953. A new letter is sent from the Foundation to all members, titled, A Call to All Members of the Mattachine Society, and in capital letters, CONFIDENTIAL. During the past three years, the Mattachine Society has existed as a secret organization. Its structure was deliberately complicated and only partially democratic to ensure secrecy. It is our belief that this structure, with all of its weaknesses, served a tremendous historical and social purpose with the interest of the sexual deviant minority. It brought a nucleus of that minority, a consciousness of its existence, and a conviction that great things could be accomplished toward social equality, the elimination of unjust legislation, and the necessity for concerted action to achieve its goals. While the society has existed only in Southern California, and these developments have occurred primarily here, we have today a sufficient indication of the direction in which our minority must move. In the light of this new situation, we believe that the presently constituted society has served its functions well but must now make the internal changes and preparations necessary for a forward movement into areas of greater activity and influence. Opinion is divided as to the exact steps that should be taken toward the reorganization of the present society. While one group argues for a completely democratic organization having no administrative ties to the Foundation, a second faction believes reorganization should be carried out in such a way as to utilize the corporate safeguards and legal protection of the Foundation. In all guilds, the idea of an entirely open, democratic organization admitting all individuals wishing to join has been advanced. Notwithstanding these diverse views and developments, we of the Fifth Order are agreed that any reorganization of the Society can and must take place only with the fullest democratic participation of all members of the Society. To that end, we are calling the California State Constitutional Convention of the Mattachine Society, at the First Universalist Church, corner of 8th and Crenshaw, Los Angeles. Next week, on Mattachine. Stay tuned for a preview of next week's episode. Mattachine was created and hosted by me, Devlin Camp. We're at a midpoint in the season, so now is a good time to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. There are more than 2,000 of you subscribed, and our website has recently had visitors from more than 20 countries. Thank you to everyone who has emailed from all over the U.S. and a couple in Australia. Thanks to Chicago Pride, the Windy City Times, the Bay Area Reporter, the Chicago Reader, and Flagrant for writing about us. Thanks to my many friends and family here in Chicago for talking about us. And thanks to all of you who follow the show on social media. I love reading your comments and interacting with you. Stop by our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter account anytime at Files to say hi. I'll respond every time. And to those of you who have already written iTunes reviews... Wow. The things you have gone out of your way to say about the show mean the world to me. I'm so grateful for your feedback. Thank you. Please continue sharing our show with your friends, no matter where they fall on the Kinsey scale. Our editorial advisor is the fantastic Paul DeCiccio, who tolerates many late-night emails and 4 a.m. text messages when he has his own life to live. Thanks, Paul. And thanks to Albert Williams for hilarious voicemails and constant support. One more huge thanks to historian James Sears. His book, Behind the Mask of the Mattachine, was the initial inspiration for this show, and it guides us along through much of this story, especially in the next few weeks to come. Check out our links to his work on our website, mattachinepod.com. Chuck Rowland is voiced by the lovely Nathan Cooper. Jerry Brissett is voiced by Paul DeCiccio. Marilyn Bootsy-Rieger is voiced by the very talented Courtney Tesh. The FBI agent is voiced by Mike Kanish. Bob Hull is voiced by Henry Coates. Paul Coates is voiced by Garrett Williams. And Harry Hay by Steve Camp. You can find the resources for the show or contact me on our website, MadashinePod.com. The original Madison Society jester logo and audio clips of Harry Hay are courtesy of One Archives at the USC Libraries. Audio clips from The Rejected, the first American documentary on homosexuality, are licensed by 13 Productions and WNET. The music for this episode with the song Stipple by Blue Dot Sessions and Crypto, Leopard Print Elevator, I Knew a Guy, Groove Grove, Comic Plotting, and The Complex, all by Kevin McLeod at Acapatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. The many permissions and licenses for this show add up. If you'd like to contribute to the production of this show, you can check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash and contribute as little as a dollar per episode. Donors get private perks like photos through the research process, PDF transcripts of episodes, among some other things. Head over to Patreon to see what you could get. If you're a school teacher, contact me on mattachinepod.com and you'll receive transcripts of every episode free of charge, along with all of our resources. Teach your students all the queer history you can get your hands on, thanks to all the teachers who have already reached out. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming. Next week on Mattachine. We had
1: 500 delegates in that church. This is the first time that many pe- gay people ever got together. And I in can't the United you- States. Because of this convention and all is signified, I say with pride, I am a homosexual.
2: It soon became obvious to me that the villains we were to protect ourselves from were actually closer to my own way of thinking. The beginnings of real, real dichotomy, real
1: split. Uh, in political
0: Dale stands against his co-founder, Harry Hay, and the secrecy of the Mattachine Foundation, on which he sits.
1: The homosexual can never be successfully organized. I, I didn't have no way of knowing what the FBI knew and didn't know.
0: David Finn has them cornered.
1: I did not create the separate culture, nor did any of you. Actually, a society which
0: created our culture by excluding us. What do we do about these swishes that give us all a bad
1: name? Everybody said that gays would not fight back. We hold it necessary that a highly ethical homosexual culture be integrated into society.